you never know what nugget of somebody's advice or somebody's story is going to connect with you or is going to help you, I like to say, walk the plank and jump into the water not knowing what's on the other end. My biggest thing for starting the Yum Yum Foodie is just encouraging people to be courageous, to travel, to try something new, whatever that is for you. It could be something as simple as trying coffee for the first time. It could be something as simple as, you know what, I'm going to try black coffee for the first time. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Eddie Zamora, founder and owner of the Yum Yum Foodie, TV judge on Dinner Takes All, and host of the Kill the Bottle podcast. Eddie Zamora is an international foodie, Cuban home cook, and judge on the TV family competition series, Dinner Takes All. This series was produced by Keller Knoll, the creators of the Food Network's Chopped and Chopped Jr., David Knoll was our guest on the show, episode number 66, so you may want to listen to that one as well. Born and raised in Miami, Eddie is also a social media influencer. His handle, the Yum Yum Foodie, has over 180,000 Instagram followers. Eddie's fans follow him for his honest and entertaining reviews and recommendations for the best and worst places to eat, drink, and stay from around the world. For the past eight years, this former actor singer, and caterer has traveled the globe in search of amazing, and sometimes not so amazing, spots for food, sips, and play. Eddie has been to 11 countries and 40 states in the U.S., from Bora Bora to the Bronx. A visit from the Yum Yum Foodie can help a business explode. Whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Snapchat, this diehard foodie who simply loves to eat, travel, and drink wine has created a very lucrative career from his social posts and internet videos. Listen in for some great takeaways about Eddie's love of food and influence in the social media world. Well, hello, everybody. Larry Sprung here, and I have the distinct pleasure of being able to talk about food today, as well as social media and branding with Eddie Zamora, founder and owner of the Yum Yum Foodie and host of the Kill the Bottle podcast. Thanks for joining us today, Eddie. Hello, hello. Yeah, thanks for having me, Larry. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's great to see you. Obviously, everybody else is just hearing this, but it's nice to see folks when you're having a conversation with them. It helps. I have to say, Eddie is very (laughs) dapper today and he's ready to go somewhere. Very important, I think. He's very well dressed for our show. Yeah, I know. It's kind of funny because I haven't worn a blazer by a minute, I'm exaggerating, in (laughs) a long time. And yeah, I'm I'm stoked. One of the beautiful things of what I do is I get invited to some fun stuff. And I got invited to a Sicilian wine, seven-course wine lunch. So, yeah. Seven wines, <laughs> seven courses at lunch, not too shabby. So I said, you know what? Let me wear a burgundy blazer. That way, if I spill some wine, there you go. I'll just close the blazer and catch it. <laughs> Sounds like lunch may go through dinner, too, with seven <laughs> courses. But I know, right? So listen, we kind of got ahead of ourselves. But yeah. for our listeners, can you share with everyone who you are and your path on how you got to where you are today? Woof. All right. How much time do you got? Now, we got I, plenty uh, of time. <laughs> so I'm Eddie Zawara, born and raised in Miami, Florida. 
son of Cuban exiles, Cuban refugees here in the United States, first generation born in the U.S., and on a trip to Spain in the early 2000s to visit a friend of mine studying abroad, I had a wipe the glasses clean moment where my glasses were foggy my entire life and I didn't know until I had this particular meal in Spain. And I became in my mind, you know, the word foodie didn't exist back then, but uh, <laughs> that was the probably the catalyst towards a passion in food. At that time, I was studying theater. I was an actor. And like so many actors, I lived in your neck of the woods in the tri-state area uh, for a little bit. And eventually, my career led me here to Southern California and currently Pasadena, California. And through a series of events I would not be able to recreate, I became this person known as the Yum Yum Foodie. Because in my personal life, I was always your friend that you call like, hey, Eddie, I'm in Austin. I'm in Barcelona. <laughs> I'm here. I'm there. Where do I go? Where do I drink? Where do I eat? Where do I sleep? I was that. And then Amazing. my wife was like, can you please just write about this on a website so that people stop calling <laughs> you at 11 o'clock at night? And that initiated me creating a blog. And through just a lot of hard work, I have been very lucky to make this a career. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I tell you, you know, everybody has their unique path, but it's amazing how many entrepreneurs are like accidental entrepreneurs. They stumble upon this love and they just kind of run with it with no intentions of starting out in that direction. It's amazing to me. Yeah, it's funny. And I started out in the television and film direction. And before that, I was a host of a talk show, bilingual talk show in Miami for NBC Telemundo. And when I moved to L.A., I didn't want to host things anymore. I was like, no, you, I want to be an actor, blah, 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 blah. I want to play characters. But, you know, little did I know that one of my best attributes was being able to be myself, which so many folks have a challenge being themselves. And it just comes natural to me. I don't put on a front. This is who I am. No qualms. No, none whatsoever. <laughs> and then when I started the Yum Yum Foodie, I made a concise choice, kind of like Field of Dreams, the famous quote, if you build it, they will come. Right. And I set out with the intention of if you build it, they will come. If I build this to a point of credibility, the television, film, or mostly TV, not film, but let's say television opportunities are going to present themselves. The being on right. TV part, that was the easy part for me. Right. It was building Getting the credibility. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So listen, where did your love of cooking come from? Where does that stem from? To be honest, I had to learn feet to the fire because like so many actors, you work in restaurants or you work in the hospitality industry somehow. And I was working for a really high end catering company here in Southern California. And I was working for, you know, I was in the homes of very famous people, mm -hmm. people EGOT winners that they've won <laughs> Oscars, Emmys, Tony. Like I was in places where I was like, what am I doing here? But in those circumstances, there were many times where to backtrack, me being Cuban, I try to go against the stereotype of always being late to places. So I'm always <laughs> on time. And in these catering jobs, I was always on time. And I can't tell you how many times chef, a cook, somebody would not show up. And it would be like, hey, Eddie, here are these $50 a piece Neiman Ranch steaks. Go back there. You got to cook them like this, this, this and this. And oh, you know, don't mess them up. <laughs> and that's kind of where it started. And also as a guy at the time, you wanted to be able to cook for a girl. You right. wanted to be able to cook for a potential significant other and any guys listening out there who don't know how to cook and you're single, guess what? Learn how to cook. <laughs> it helps tremendously. Yeah, I, bet, yeah. Yeah. I, I can see how that could be extremely uh, helpful. And I didn't know that was a stereotype. So I just learned something oh, today. I, I was unaware of that. There's a stereotype in Miami. It's called Cuban time. 
<laughs> my wedding was here in Malibu in, in California, and we had so many people flying in from South Florida for the wedding. We actually lied about the time it started. We told them it started an hour before it actually did. Oh, that's uh, and needless to say, everybody was on time. So it worked out. Amazing. But, you know. <laughs> so my wedding, ironically different, I'm Jewish and we had a Jewish wedding and we were supposed to get married. I don't remember the exact time, let's say seven or eight o'clock. We ended up getting married at about 1130 because unbeknownst to us, the rabbi who had to come about an hour to perform the ceremony got held up on one of the major highways because there was a bomb scare at a huge mall. So we had to keep our guests pretty much occupied for several hours. They thought maybe we were deciding not to get married. There were a lot of rumors going around. So there was a uh, lot of drama, unnecessary drama. A hundred percent. So listen, as a family of foodies, right? My family, we love eating. We love trying different foods and drinks, et cetera. I love the name Yum Yum Foodie. Can you share how you came up with that name? I think it's a great name and a great way to market yourself. Yeah. One of the jobs I had that I think had one of, had the biggest impact on the Yum Yum Foodie was I was a spokesperson for a car company. So in the tri-state area, you would go to the Javits Center in April, the New York Auto Show, and Eddie would be one of the people on a platform talking about a car. I was very lucky that I was unscripted and I could just be myself and talk about what right. I liked and, and I became really good at that. But I was basically getting paid to practice my skills, my communication skills, my on the mic skills, all of that. I was getting paid to travel and then I was getting paid to start the Yum Yum Foodie. So if I was working one to five at 501, I became the Yum Yum Foodie. I left that behind and I would go and explore whatever city I was in. Now, the term yum is something that I would use in my personal life to refer to things that have nothing to do with food. I would see a nice Ferrari. I'll be like, oh, man, that Ferrari is yummy. <laughs> and it was just this organic thing. And I remember standing at the Los Angeles Auto Show. And I think it may have even been like Thanksgiving Day. And, you know, Thanksgiving Day at the auto show is terrible because you work really early. Everybody's <laughs> there super early. So you'll get hit with a ton of people. And then all the football games start. So ghost everybody town. leaves. Everybody, it's a ghost town. <laughs> so I'm standing there and it's a ghost town. And that is, I think, where or when I came up with a name. And I think initially it was Yum Yum Foodie, but somebody had already taken that on Twitter. And I said, well, shoot, I got to put a the in front of it. And I <laughs> guess I had the wherewithal then to kind of accumulate every social media handle or every social media platform with the same handle. Thank right. God. I did yeah. do it on purpose because Twitter at the time, if you had too many characters, it couldn't become your handle where Instagram, right. I think you could have like super <laughs> So it happened to work on all platforms for me. I was very lucky. Yeah, that's something we did for our kids at a very young age when they were born, started eating up their web domains and everything like that. Just in case they ever wanted them, they would be there for them just in Smart case. Man. So. I did that I got... for my dog. <laughs> there <laughs> Not you go. that he would want it, but hey, it's, it turned out all right. He might be the next Instagram star. You never know. He kind of is. There you go. There you go. I would imagine that a visit from you and the Yum Yum Foodie has an effect on a business. If you show up there, you highlight pros in most cases. I know that you're very open and honest in terms of also sharing cons, which is an interesting tact as well. What's your favorite story about a business growing after a visit from the Yum Yum Foodie? Oh, man. There is a place in Studio City, California, and now I'm having the COVID brain fog kick in, and <laughs> the name is eluding me. But it was a great little restaurant, and I'm not a person who expects people, anybody to know what I do or any of that. That's not who I am. I just went to dinner. I had the most amazing steak under 25 bucks in LA I had had, 
And I just steak I, twenty five under twenty five bucks in L.A. Tell me about it. Can't believe that exists. Grass fed, like it was killer. Steak and frites. We're so, gonna you know, have to get the name of that yeah. place, Eddie. <laughs> and telling him having the COVID brain fog. Okay, it happens. Anyway, so fast forward, go. I have a great dinner. I can't remember how long after that I was just compelled because you know, like anybody who has struggled and has worked their butt off, I appreciate a good deal. And I was like, people got to know about this. So I wrote about it, whatever. Fast forward a couple of months later, I go back and I'm you know, recognized by the staff there, unbeknownst to me. <laughs> and they proceeded to point out that they had put up this beautiful plaque on the wall with a hand drawn image of my image of their stake. <laughs> and I think it had a quote from my experience there that I shared on my website. Anyway, I still to this day will, even though I forget the name, I still to this day <laughs> We'll have messages on social media where people, they'll thank me for kind of helping them, kind of guiding them in the right direction. Right. I'm not about destroying people's dreams. If your dream is to go to Cleveland, Ohio, and go to Cedar Point in Ohio and ride the roller coaster, and that's your dream. I'm not here to poo-poo on that. I'm here to get you the best of that particular place. My parents didn't have a lot of money. I wasn't struggling as a kid, but we didn't have a lot of money. So when I see people waste money on things that I don't feel live up to what they paid for them, that's Mm -hmm. where I get a little bit like, no, I want to give you the best experience possible for whatever it is you want to do. Right. And listen, in all fairness, I think you can attest to this too, right? You know, I go on a different night than you go on. We could have potentially two different experiences, which isn't great for the business because the business should be delivering the same experience time and time again. But as you know, it happens, right? So, well, I mean, that's why people will eat at the same fast food restaurant in another country, because that fast food restaurant will deliver a certain level of consistency and comfort that they know that they're going to get. True. And true. that's what I don't generally eat fast food. Nothing against it. I just don't. I live in a city with so much Me good food <laughs> that why am I going to eat fast food? Right. But it is. It's that if people are looking for that comfort and that consistency. Agreed. Agreed. So we talked about in the intro, you were a judge or our judge on Dinner Take All, which was a show that was produced by David Knoll, who we had mm-hmm. on our show. He was on episode number 66 with us and great guy, great insights. We talked about Chopped, which gets yeah. watched very, very often in, in my household. So how did it come about that you became a judge on that show, Dinner Take All? It's funny, Larry. Again, my life is these series of wild events that I don't know if I'm dumb or courageous or a little bit of both. I call it luck by design. Yeah, because, you know, I don't necessarily believe in luck. I believe that you were practicing in the batting cages for X amount of time. So when you came up to the plate, bottom of the ninth, bases loaded down by three, and you had that full count, you were ready to hit that ball out of the park and win the game. Luck by design right there. Perfect example. And this must have been maybe June or end of June, early July of 2008. 17. Pre-COVID. <laughs> yeah, pre-COVID. 17 or 18. Anyway, and I was working a, a Lexus job. Sorry, I said Lexus because that's the company that I worked for Right. as a spokesperson at the auto shows. And I was working this super cool event. You know, I was like Magic Johnson. And, I, and I'm like, oh, this is so cool. And I had been doing this job on the side for about nine years. And you get asked a lot of the same questions. Right. When you do certain jobs and never bothered me in the past. And for some reason, somebody asked me the same question that it got under my skin like it had never gotten under my skin for nine years. I don't know how to explain it, Larry, but I'm <laughs> I'm not an angry guy. And for, I feel like steam was coming out of my ears. 
And I was like, you know what? I think you got to go. I think you're done. I don't know what it's going to look like. Right. But it's time to take that leap of faith. I was already working as the Yum Yum Foodie, being hired by brands to create recipe videos and cocktail videos and design recipes and host things for them. But I needed that push to take the leap of faith. So I said to myself, this is the last time that I will be working this job. I don't know what tomorrow looks like, but I cannot do this again another day. Right. Fast forward, I had a trip to Japan right after. So I go to Japan for like two weeks. An enlightening experience. I encourage anybody to go to Japan. Besides the food, it's just an incredible observational place, especially if you live in the Western Hemisphere right, right. in the States. And I come back from this trip to Japan and I get a call from my rep. And my rep is like, hey, somebody reached out to me about this food competition show. Would you be interested in being a judge on a show? And I was like, I'm open to checking it out. Whatever. Right. I've been in flow so close <laughs> to so many movie roles and TV roles where if I told you them, you would not believe it. But I'm so used to rejection. It doesn't bother me. So I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'll talk to these people. It's not a bad trait to have, right? No, no. Thick skin and quick memory loss is great. I have like goldfish. a memory of a goldfish. There yes. You go. Thank yeah. you, sir. Ted Lasso reference. Ted Lasso. <laughs> so I get on the phone with a gentleman by the name of Joey, who's a director. I get on the phone with a gentleman named Dave and a lady by the name of Cleve. And within five minutes, I felt like I was talking to my family. I felt like these were folks that I knew my entire life. They got me. They understood my sense of humor, which is odd. <laughs> Not everybody gets my sense of humor. Uh, there's a series of silly pictures that I post on Instagram making fun of people that take duck lip selfies. <laughs> I just do it with coffee and I, I call it the douchey duck lips coffee selfie. And <laughs> folks will send me their pictures with my hashtag and I'll reshare them. Anyway, Dave Knoll and Cleve Keller were the two folks who I'm referring to on that call. And they are, again, the creators of Chopped. Right. Amongst many other shows. And anyway, hang up the phone. My manager calls me and she's like, oh, did you have a good time? I go, yeah, that was great. Really nice people. Okay, cool. Whatever. Nothing happens. <laughs> All of a sudden, they're like, you, do you want to have another call? Okay, let's have another call. And again, it was this synergy. It was uh, meant man, to be, sounds like. Larry, it was meant to be. Hang up the phone. A week later, I am on a plane to go shoot two seasons of Dinner Takes Off. And the irony is, like I mentioned before, as an actor, I've been in the room with extremely influential directors and, and accomplished. accomplished people. And, <laughs> and here I am, the most impactful first TV job as the Yum Yum Foodie is given to me over a phone call. Crazy. Never sight unseen. There was no Zoom. <laughs> they knew what you looked like. <laughs> they had an idea. I know it's a long story, but it, it's pretty wild how things like that come about. Hey, listen, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be, you know? Absolutely. So you mentioned coffee, right? So yeah. that was one of the things I wanted to ask you about because it seems to me from looking you up and reading and following you a bit that you're really inspired by coffee-based recipes. What's the draw there for you? What's the interest? A couple things. I didn't drink coffee until probably college. And the irony is, if, if you know anything about Cuban people, is we drink coffee, breakfast, lunch, dinner. We're drinking espresso constantly. The smell of coffee is something that makes me think of my hometown, Miami. It makes me think of my house. It's the first thing when you walk into a Cuban household, whether you're in Miami or you're in Guanabacoa, in La Habana, in Cuba, people are going to offer you espresso. That is just mm -hmm. the nature of the beast. And I've always wanted to try to make things approachable for everybody. And what I mean is I also am a big fan of the cocktail scene, winemaking, spirits. I, 
I'm a big fan of that, but I know that not everybody drinks. Also, there's age restrictions to that. Coffee was something to me that was really complex and it can connect with just about everybody. And it works really well in, in recipes. One of my things that I'm always asked to do when friends come over is this uh, coffee rubbed pork tenderloin that I make. And it's bomb. It's really good. I love coffee rubs. I've had some really, really good coffee rubs over the years for sure. Yeah, I find it to be even in chili. I just find coffee to be a wonderful ingredient besides to drink. It's one of the oldest things in the world. And if you look up history, it had a huge impact on the American Revolution. And these guys staying up late at night drinking coffee, figuring out how to you know, get the Brits out of here. <laughs> coffee is really significant in culture. And to me, coffee is a lot like wine. It's derivative of the soil it comes from. Yes. There's the winemaking process, the barrel aging process, or whatever the fermentation process is. Well, coffee is roasted a particular way. I find it was one of those things that I didn't know I didn't know. Right. So when I started to learn about coffee, I, you know, I thought coffee was just Cafe Bustelo in Miami <laughs> and Folgers at whatever you know, <laughs> Holiday Inn I was staying at. And when I found out the intricacies of it and just the impact it has on global market, it fascinates me now. Yeah. So I got to ask you, from a commercial standpoint, are you a Dunkin' Donuts or a Starbucks or neither? I mean, if I had to pick one, yeah, that's a trick question, because <laughs> if I'm in the middle of, I don't know, if I'm at a rest stop driving from Miami to Orlando and there's a Dunkin' or a Starbucks, I'm going to drink Dunkin'. Okay. But if I'm in a city that has like one of the Starbucks reserve stores where it looks like Disneyland of a coffee <laughs> shop and they have, right. oh, man, all these different types of machines in these particular stores. There's like one in Chicago, one in New York, one in Seattle, of course. When you go to those Starbucks, then it's a multi-million dollar store of just gear that's in there. So in that case, I'm going to go Starbucks. Yeah, that's really interesting. I never knew that there's Starbucks reserve establishments. I was unaware. Yeah. Of and if you go to the original Starbucks, which is in the market, I'm mean, the name again is eluding me in right Seattle. now. The, yeah. yeah the, and they're going to be roasts there that you can't get at any other Starbucks. Amazing. So I'll have to check that out. Yeah. I'll have to check that out when I go visit and watch the Seattle Kraken because that's on my to-do list, my bucket As list. As you should. And you got to go see there. the Mariners too. Yeah, I'm not a big base. We're a hockey family through and through. Oh, right on. Well, yeah. And again, I'm a Panthers fan, so I'm excited that this year my Panthers are really good. They are. You know, they haven't made the Stanley Cup since like 94, 95. So, well, the Rangers, they won the cup in 94. So we're hoping they'll make a push in the next couple of years. We're huge Rangers. So then, no, then my team must have been 96 then because we played the Avalanche and they they beat our Tukas. Yeah. Well, the the Avalanche (laughs) are very good this year also. Yeah. Yeah. I digress. So, One of the things that we've seen and a lot of the entrepreneurs we've been talking to and that follow our show and listen is obviously the last few months or even years really have caused many businesses to pivot Mm -hmm. because of the environment. And as a yum yum foodie wanting to go into restaurants, obviously there were some challenges there. You know, how and what did you do during the pandemic in order to maintain and keep your brand relevant during that period of time? Well, it's funny because we can easily get lazy and complacent. And one thing that the pandemic allowed me to do was get creative from home, learn to shoot a little bit more video stuff from home. And for example, right at the beginning of the pandemic, we go into lockdown and I get a phone call from one of my clients who is the National Pork Board. So the the National Board of Pork Farmers here in the U.S. And they were asking me for some ideas because they have certain events that they were connected to and those events were not happening. 
Right. So they have budgets that they have to reallocate. And I have somebody that's worked with them for years. And I came up with, because again, the pandemic was happening. I said, what would I do under these circumstances for me? And something I did and something I like to do is cook once and eat at least three times from that one cook. Right. So I hitched them. I said, look, I can make my coffee rubbed <laughs> pork, pork loin. loin. Yeah. Yeah. And then I wanted to keep something in a good price point for people because it's a pandemic. Right. And I wanted to show them that they can make this one thing and it can evolve into a frittata the next day for breakfast and then pork tacos after that. So the pandemic really got me creative. And I think it helps. And I think it may, in fact, help people post pandemic as we're starting to come out of it. Keep that level of creativity because it's easy to get complacent and then you're throwing a curveball and you're like, oh, what the heck? Right. Now I feel that more of us will have a contingency plan depending on what's thrown at us. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think you handled it really well. We've seen different methods and, you know, within our business, we used to use the technologies like Zoom platforms, et cetera, with clients all the time. But a lot of times they wanted to come in for meetings or they didn't know how to use it. And now we're finding like even our oldest clients, they know how to use Zoom and they're like, why should I travel an hour or 40 minutes or 30 minutes to come in to see? I could get on Zoom because it was the only way they saw their grandkids or their kids. So yeah. they've gotten used to it, which is great. And my podcast, Kill the Bottle, came up during the pandemic. It came up, I mean, by accident. And it's something that I've been talked about before. And just again, the series of weird circumstances where stuff happens. And if it wasn't for the pandemic, a lot of the guests that I've been able to have on my show may not have been available and may not have, again, understood the technology that we're having right now, where we're right. across the U.S. and we're able to see each other and talk. And it feels like we're in the same room. Yeah. So what was the genesis of the podcast? Was there something intentional there or you're like, hey, I got this extra time. Let me utilize it in a positive way while I can. So the funny thing is I was a guest on a show kind of like now, right? and it was over at the Adam Carolla studio here in Southern California. And when I was there and I, we wrapped the show, one of the producers of the show that I was on was like, man, you need your own show. And I said, okay, sure. I was like the talking <laughs> part, the creative aspect of it, the concept part, that's easy for me. Now, the logistics, the production, the editing, that's where I would fall under challenges. And this person said, hey, what if I produce it for you? I was like, oh, man, I can't get out of this one now. Okay. <laughs> yes. And then I said, okay, first time meeting. And we had such a great vibe because this person also was the co-host of the show that I was on. And I said, okay, but only if you co-host it with me. And okay. that was the beginning of Kill the Bottle podcast. And Kill the Bottle is something, it's a term like yum. It's something that we use. I don't know if you've ever used it before, if, if you drink wine or not. But whenever well, that's what I little... figured the reference was with the yeah. wine, who's going to kill the bottle, right? Exactly. Yeah. You know, you have a sip left of that whiskey, who's killing the bottle? And that was it. And I've been very lucky to have guests. Craig who are Kilborn. some of the most, yeah, I was just going to say, oh. who are some of the most interesting that you found oh, on, that man. you've well, had on the Dave show? Dave Knoll, who was episode right. 66 of your show, yep. was a, a fascinating gentleman because I'm not only do I know him personally, but just talking about creating television shows and what that looks like. So many people want to do something like that, yeah, but you don't know how to start that. Craig Kilborn, who was the first host of The Daily Show, right. but he hosted The Late Late Show. He was on ESPN Sports Center. Wonderful comedian, wonderful guy. Martina McBride, who is an iconic country music star. I love the the different facets of people that I've had on my show sure. because everybody's got to eat. 
Right. And not everybody drinks, but if you don't drink, that's fine. Because me and my co-host Megan will gladly indulge in a bottle You'll of wine while we chat. We'll kill the bottle. <laughs> and I've also had a lot of chefs like Richard Blaze from Next Level Chefs on Fox had NFL players. Darrell Smith, who is also a TV chef now, former NFL player. So food was a great little vehicle to get people in the door. But then I think sometimes the last thing we talk about is food or, <laughs> or, okay, or even the wine. It's just, you hey, know, listen, we, get, we start yapping. This is the Midland money mindset. We haven't talked about money one ounce. So that's, you know, that's okay. Yeah, exactly. It's not a problem. Exactly. It's all good. You know, you never know what nugget of somebody's advice or somebody's story is going to connect with you or is going to help you, I like to say, walk the plank and jump into the water, not knowing what's on the other end. Agreed. My biggest thing for starting the Yum Yum Foodie, and as far as I can, is just encouraging people to be courageous, to travel, to try something new, whatever that is for you. Right. But it could be something as simple as trying coffee for the first time. It could be something as simple as, you know what, I'm going to try black coffee for the first time. Right. Yeah. 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 That's what life's all about, to live Absolutely. And, and try different things. So. One of the things we like to do here on the Midland Money Mindset is give our listeners takeaways, tangible mm-hmm. takeaways. So one of the things I was wondering is, is there any advice that you could give to our listeners who might be entrepreneurs or people out there in the public, et cetera, if they're looking or aspiring to be an influencer, whether it's in the food space or elsewhere? Because I know it seems like to some degree, a lot of hard work, but and you ended up in that. But is there some intentional things that people can do to work towards that objective? Yeah, I mean, it could be really overwhelming. So that's a really great question, Larry. I always look at things. I used to I remember when I was a kid, it was like General Norman Schwarzkopf. Yeah. Storm and Norman is what they called him during yeah, Desert sir. Storm. But I look at the approach of whatever I'm going to do, like a surgical strike. I want to be the most efficient with the least amount of casualties possible. And the casualty <laughs> is time. Right. And whatever that is. So if I'm trying to create some content about something that's trending or the Super Bowl's coming up or whatever, I'm always trying to get rid of the minutiae and make things as concise as possible in those terms. When it comes to the influencer aspect of it, I feel that so many people, because a lot of times folks now are coming into it a little bit younger. And I don't come from the mentality of the VHS series, Eight Minute Abs. That doesn't exist. You have to put in the time and be consistent. Be consistent. It takes time. I started the Yum Yum Foodie, I think, in 2011. And I did not start making any money from it until... I may not have even made money up until now, considering the amount of money that I spent on food and travel (laughs) and do it. You know what I mean? But I didn't start to get a check to me as the Yum Yum Foodie for about six, seven years from when I launched it. And also the advice is for the influencer folks who are interested in that is try to get the same name on all platforms. Unfortunately, people are lazy. And if your name is one letter off, if it has a zero at the end, if it has an underscore and it's different than your Instagram, that's different than your Twitter. I made that mistake myself. I'm Lawrence Sprung across all social media platforms, except for Instagram, where I'm Larry Sprung. Because I decided to take that over for myself and I took the wrong handle and I didn't listen to people. So, yeah, I mean, it makes it easier for people to find you if you have that consistency, for sure. Yeah, you have to make things as easy as possible. That's something that I have learned, because if it's not easy for me, I'm not doing it. So how can I expect other people to do it? You know, there you go. 
So listen, what's up next for Eddie Zamora? What's the next big thing coming up for you down the pike? The next big thing is I have a couple of TV shows that are being pitched in the food and travel space because at the end of the day, my dream and my goal has been ever since I started the Yummy and Foodie was to, again, you know, there'll only be one Anthony Bourdain, but to be somebody who can tell stories and inspire people to travel and inspire people to have conversations on the road. And, you know, Tony Bourdain was one of those people for me. Right. That and I'm um, taking Kill a Bottle podcast on the road, going to Napa Valley, doing live shows with winemakers there all over the country. Next time is going to be up in Sonoma and Napa Valley. So that's going to be a lot of fun. That's what's on the horizon. It's exciting, man. I'm, I'm very, very blessed. It sounds awesome, and we'll be looking forward to following you. And if you end up in any wineries on like the North Fork of Long Island, let me know. I'd be happy to uh, meet you out there and have a drink for sure. I like your thinking. <laughs> we'll, we'll kill a bottle together. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I'm not a big wine guy, but I've tried it, and I continue to try it, and I'm determined to like some wine eventually. <laughs> What's your weapon of choice? I'm a whiskey, scotch, IPA you oh, know, guy. got it. Yeah. Next week, I get to try something called Slane Irish okay. Whiskey. Okay. I'm a huge U2 fan. And one of the most iconic U2 concerts was at Slane Castle in Ireland. Right. And they also recorded one of their albums there. And uh, anyway, they decided to put a distillery in the castle. Oh, amazing. We're, yeah, I know. I'm like, I'm like, I can't wait. I get to try this soon. So I'll be following you to find out how you like that for I'll sure. I'll let you know. So, Eddie, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. We end every show asking each of our guests the same question. This is the Midland Money Mindset, which is, what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? Now, you may have given it away at the beginning of the show, maybe, because you may not have done it yet because you got seven courses and seven wines coming up. So I don't know. <laughs> I know. It's funny, but that is what I'm going to do today that is going to make an impact for me because. I've missed out on those experiences during the pandemic. And today is going to be that opportunity to build more credibility as the yum yum foodie. I'm going to learn about wine from Sicily. And it's just one more bullet in my gun of things that I can speak to and help point folks in the right direction. So yeah, that's what I'm going to do today is I'm going to have seven lunch courses. With seven <laughs> wines. I don't know. It sounds like a great way to start the weekend. That's for oh, sure. Life is good. I can't complain. So, Eddie, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, and we'll have all your information in the show notes. But if people want to connect with you or the Yum Yum Foodie, really, what's the easiest way for them to do that? So across all of social media, I'm at the Yum Yum Foodie, and I am the only person that manages my accounts. I do not have somebody else that does it for me. I write back to every single person. So anywhere you're going, anywhere you're traveling to, I'd be honored to help point you in the right direction. And if you want to get a, a little boozy chuckle, wherever, you know, freshly squeezed podcasts, wherever you get your <laughs> podcasts, kill the bottle podcast. Perfectly. Well, you can learn about finance and then have some sips of booze there you after go. Larry's show. Thank you so much. Listen, Eddie, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I appreciate you sharing all these insights with you. Enjoy the lunch, enjoy the wine and make it a great day. Thank you, Larry. I appreciate being here. I'm honored. Thanks. I want to thank Eddie Zamora for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. Eddie is on a path to help others find great and sometimes not so great spots for food, drink, and especially great wine. Eddie has grown his celebrity through social media and being an influencer in the space. I'm sure you found some great tips that will help you expand your presence too. Eddie and the Yum Yum Foodie can be found across all social media platforms and all the contact information needed to find them can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. 
make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content and please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.